Gather round ye scallywags. Let me spin ye a yarn the likes of which ye never heard. Aye, it's a tale of a one-handed ex-pirate captain who dared to dance with danger and lived to tell the tale. The story of Rufus T. Carbuncle. Hey, I know him. He was the adventurer with the fire-breathing kittens. I wonder what the T stands for. No one knows. And I, tis true, he was in the FBK, but he weren't always an adventurer, no. He were once a pirate captain thirsting for treasure on the high seas. They say he was one of the best swordsmen alive could skewer a kraken and slice up an orange at the same time. A feared name on the high seas he was. That's weird. I'd never heard of him before he joined up with the kittens, though. Well, perhaps that's because the stories were too scary to tell to the likes of ye. Now shut your yapper and listen. Rufus was said to be one of the best, but even the best couldn't do nothing against a mutiny. His crude, jealous backstabbers they were cut off his hand and left him for dead on a deserted island. But it was going to take more than that to kill old Rufus. He spent a year on that island learning how to use just one hand to harness the powers of ocean storms. He used his powers to return to Nicomoy, determined to change his ways and find revenge on the mutinous first mate and his crew. Which he did, and got to strand that fool Chet turncoat in another dimension. Soon he found himself a new purpose, the Guild of Fire-Breathing Kittens, a group of ragtag misfits and do-gooders that Rufus fit right in with. Together, they took on quests that make even the bravest scallywag think twice. Like the time they got stuck in a time loop on a ship in a storm? Or like the time they fought in an arena? Or like the time they saved the world from a magic apocalypse and may or may not have prank called a galaxy-sized magic-eating monstrosity in outer space? Yes, yes, all of those things. He was even able to replace his hand with an arcane one. Rufus had gained a place in the guild. But he weren't satisfied. Sure, he'd made great friends, but nothing beats the thrill of the sea. So after countless adventures and earning his place amongst the best, Rufus found himself in an arena once again, fighting side by side with some of his trustiest companions. Lothario, Ignatius, and Rufus joined the annual Nicomoy fighting tournament and fought their way to victory. The thrill of the fight, the excitement, the adrenaline, it called to Rufus once again. And when the prizes were handed out and Rufus stood there holding a treasure map, he found himself craving the high seas once again. Fate seemed to flow in his favor as suddenly a pirate vessel attacked the arena, firing cannons on the city. What happened next? Did they kill all the pirates? Did he steal the ship and become a pirate captain once again? <laughs> of course, both of those things. Rufus found himself behind the wheel once more, and he found what he'd been missing. And it weren't his hand, not anymore. For this was a new Rufus T. Carbuncle. Now they say Rufus is out there, on his new ship sailing into uncharted waters. His new vessel coined the one-way trip, on account of him thinking he ain't coming back. They say it slices through the waves, embraced by the seas of the unknown, navigating treacherous waters, facing down mythical beasts, and taming even the most tempestuous of storms.
They say now the only time he comes in from sea is to find himself crew that are as crazy as he. Well, that sounds like a barrel full of hornswoggle if you ask me. Oh, it do, do it? Well, then I suppose we know where you stand, don't we, you landlubber? Now for any of you other salty dogs, let it be known. The one-way trip doesn't have time for naysayers and ne'er-do-wells, and we sure don't have time for landlubbers. But if any of you heard the tale of Rufus and his legendary crew and thought to yourself, that sounds like right proper adventure. That sounds like the type of ship I could earn me some fame and fortune on. Then meet at the docks this evening at midnight. The captain will decide who's worthy and who ain't. Wait, you mean he's real after all? He ain't just pirate myth. Aye, he's real. <laughs> Aye, I'm real as they come. For you stand in the presence of Captain Rufus T. Carbuncle. Ex-adventurer, pirate captain, and storyteller. Wait, why didn't he say that in the first place? Sailing the seas once again, searching for treasure. And mark me words, we ain't sailing for your grandma's treasure, no. We be seeking the kinds of treasure that legends are made of. <laughs>just a little lonely. Not in a really lonely way, just, uh, well, it'd be nice if there were someone to you go on an adventure with kind of way. She looked out upon the vaporwave oasis that was now her home as a warden of the multiverse, something she still couldn't quite fathom, but realized was correct. She knew that her place was here to guard, to be on watch for anything strange out of the ordinary, but especially for anything that would threaten the existence of any of the multiverses. She was still rather surprised to find out there were multiple universes, ones outside and completely unassociated with the world of draws, but... She had been caught up to speed, had learned the requisite rituals and responsibilities that came with her new position as warden. It was nice to have a purpose, but she was finding these days that purpose could only take you so far. If there were no friends to share that experience with, she might as well be back drifting in the astral sea instead of, well hanging out in her astral oasis. She pondered exactly what her roles were, what her destiny was, what led her to this place, and she realized that the kittens were the answer. It was with the fire-breathing kittens where she had found, if not a goal, then at least a good way to while away the time. And from there, she had gained friends experienced all sorts of things, and ultimately realized who she was and what they had always wanted. People, family, friends, just someone else. She didn't really like being by herself. And especially right now, she yearned for her friends, especially Flex and Errol too, and Chico and Ava and, uh, well, the list just 
could go on, really. But her place was here. Oh, all that droll talk about responsibility, as though she hadn't learned any frivolity when she was in the kittens. Perhaps not now, but there was time for a sleepover. Maybe bring some of their friends back to this part of the astral plane. Let them experience something new, something grand, and they would experience it with them. Together. Well, I'm just sitting out on the front porch watching the corn. Ain't half as bad as I thought it'd be. Beats getting my hind kicked by monsters, demons, and extra-dimensional horrors beyond my contemplations. But you know, there was some good that came out of adventuring. I got to see the big wide world. Up till I ran from home, I never knew nothing except Goldberry Farm and the Warren. I was about to get wed to my cousin Coraline, which made me dread a life where I'd end up here, just sitting out on the front porch watching the corn. When I joined that guild, the fire-breathing kittens, I met a lot of neat people from all over. They were a bunch of good folks. I wouldn't have otherwise met if I didn't run from home. There was a police robot named Graveyard who steered me in the right direction on my first adventure. And one particularly smart fella named Ignatius was with me on my first couple of adventures. And I remember thinking to myself that if I I could become as reliable as him one day if I applied myself. Then one day, while hanging out with a couple guildmates, I got an invitation to my cousin's wedding, which included me no less. If I were still alone and closed-minded, I'd have probably just given up and accepted my fate. However, I had Errol and Lothario with me, and they weren't going to let that stand. Even when I confronted my aunt Arlie, they stood against her and gave me the courage to stand up for myself and make things right. In the end, I ended up making peace with my family, and even convinced some of them to venture out into the world like I did. All I wanted from then on was to continue adventuring with the firebreed and the kittens and share my gratitude with the others in the guild. It was right after that time I started getting whooped on multiple occasions. <laughs> Most times I had strong adventurers like Rain to bail me out. But there were some other occasions that no one could really bail me out because I was the one causing problems. There was still plenty of fun, lighthearted adventures. Those were my favorites. There was one instance where me, Errol, and Lothario got teleported to a fun house. Another was with me, Errol, and Pearl were solving a mystery in a casino. Those were some good times. But good things come to an end, I guess. Once I started screwing up more times than not, that big feathered fella, Cal's his name. He pulled me into his office and sat me down, talked to me with sincerity, told me that Nulestag doesn't have the heart to say it to me, but the fire-breathing kittens wants winners. And that no matter how much my heart is willing to do it or how hard I try, I ain't it. It was nice to finally hear coming from the horse's mouth. I was getting a lot of vicious looks from folks. You know, ever since the whole water poisoning incident with Xavier. And I was trying to keep my head held high, but who was I kidding? I shook his hand, said my goodbyes, and caught the next train back to Bramblebrook. Things at home changed quite a lot since I uh, first ran away. I get a lot of visitors from all over, and a lot of the family left to go start new lives, and everyone who stayed is a lot happier. My family was surprised to see me coming back home after everything that happened. I told them it's good to be home, and now I don't have worry about marrying my cousin Coraline. Not sure I'd stay on the farm for too long, though. I got an itching to travel, try new things, and meet new folks. My destiny is out there somewhere, 
And now I've got the courage to go find it. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, it's me, Lothario. Uh, I'm coming in about 5'9", and I got shoulder-length auburn hair with a matching crisp goatee, uh, fresco-colored skin, and violet eyes. Uh, today, I'm wearing something a little bit more uh, subdued than my usual regalia. I'm wearing a black tuxedo jacket with tails, uh, some matching tuxedo pants, an elegant black top hat with a handsome maroon feather on the left side, because that's what's hot right now. And of course, y'all know I'm wearing a white puffy shirt. I, you know, I like to think I brought that back into fashion this season. But anywho, uh, I just want to thank y'all for listening to my adventures with the Fire Breathing Kittens. Uh, to be honest, I was a little aimless in life, and I thought being an adventurer would help me sort things out. Uh, before becoming a top-flight adventurer, you know, I dabbled in quite a few things to see what clicked. I mean, I was a milkman, and a mailman, and a firefighter, uh, enrolled in the Town Guard Academy. I, didn't, I never graduated, but Town Guard Academy. Uh, street vendor for a while, night stalker. Not like I was stalking people, but I was stalking shelves. It's, it's, very, it's very different. I was doing the good stocking, you know what I'm saying? Um... Godaloo Fencing Academy spokesman, I was a courier, candlestick maker, a professional sports mascot, go Godaloo Guardians, they are on fire this year, a barback librarian, fisherman, door-to-door salesman, court-appointed legal defense attorney, wizard apprentice, roadie for sizzles, he's a bard, I'm sure you know who he is, a pizza cook, and then, you know, finally I ended up in the Fire-Breathing Kittens Guild, and I think that's where things took off. Um. And all those things, though, I remember what Grandma D would always say. She'd say, Lothario, it don't matter what you do, as long as you are helping people and doing your best. If you're going to be a candlestick maker, you better be the best candlestick maker this world has ever seen, child. And so you know what? I did. And let me tell you, my candles are out of sight. But I digress. Again, I just want to thank y'all for sticking with me. I mean, I made some great friends. My, my band gained more fans than ever. And did I mention I helped save the whole world? I mean, that was righteous. You know, even though I saw more pain than I thought possible when I was, saw the history of that charming Chabin, I also saw more beauty this past year than I thought was possible for all of creation to hold. And yes, I am talking about Joy Thunder Voice. Man, she has set my heart aflutter. And she has helped me to know that I got beauty inside me too. I was looking for so long for the loveliness out there that I overlooked that by loving folks around me, I could be the source of something lovely too. So for the next little bit, I'm going to retire from adventuring and explore what this world has to offer together with my soulmate. Oh, what, what's that? Is it time now? Oh, okay, I'll be right there. Hey, I gotta go, y'all. It's been real. Don't forget to take the time to see what is beautiful, both out in the world and inside yourself, too. I'm, I'm coming. I ain't gonna miss this. I, I, come on, I'll just send a message to my fan.
This epilogue has some spoilers for Love Scattered, the penultimate episode of 2023, as it happens right after the events of that episode. Avarice H. had sent Shiko, Rain, and the rest away, back to the fire-breathing kittens' guild hall, telling them that she'll be fine. She was lying. Her wings were torn and nearly burnt off, most of their feathers gone, and her hands. Her hands were skeletal, the flesh melted off them like Malm's melted, cooling, stained-glass corpse off in the distance. He'd died after she had taken his heart to free herself. These wounds would never heal on their own. Even though it hurt, Ava took out her sending stone to call Flex. She'd invoke their deal, and he would send her to hell, where she would regenerate herself and come back whole. After all, she's a devil. She could do that. But, no. She hesitated, staring at the sending stone. Every time she went back to hell, she had to stay there longer. It was harder each time for her to come back to the material plane. And she was exhausted. She dropped the sending stone, and it clattered off the island rocks. What did she come back for? She'd gained so much power, made so many deals. She'd become a figure of authority, and practically ruled a town. People looked up to her as a beautiful, powerful woman, and feared her as a dangerous, ruthless devil with fierce pets. She'd stop plucking the feathers off her wings and learn how to fly again. It felt good, but there was always something missing. It was freedom. She had so much to do. Her life was so demanding, and each deal she made was another chain. All these chains made her stronger, but they pulled her in every direction. Her parents only saw her as a tool, and that's how she saw everyone else. Her friends in the FPK cared about her, maybe, but all they were to her was a means to an end, a way to make more money and more deals. She had all this power, and she had been beaten by a lantern, a cage. In the end, she'd always be a slave. What was the point? She looked closer at her hands, and realized the flesh was not melting. She was unraveling. It was spreading to her wrists and forearms now. Tiny, spectral chains slowly unhooking themselves. Hundreds of them. She saw one broken, flapping in the wind, in Malin's direction. A golden strand connected to Penny, who was in the center of where Malum had been, nuzzled up to his still-glowing heart. Ava looked at the portals that were all around her, connected to her realm. A realm that she'd been given, that she had earned. She'd not conned, lied, intimidated, or forced a deal for it. It was really, truly hers. I'm sorry, Penny. The pseudo-dragon looked at her, grief and confusion in those sweet golden eyes. I'm sorry I took Malum from you, and I'm sorry that I have to go now, too. You can't come with me. I can't bring anything or anyone with me. I'll miss you, little one. Penny flew toward Ava in protest, but it was too late. Ava took out her ethame, a dull knife she used for rituals, and severed the bond that she had with Penny. The little black dragon stopped and hovered mid-flight. Go, Penny. Be free. Goodbye. Ava stepped through a portal into the sky of her realm. Here, she was no longer the spawn of a devil and a criminal. No more purple skin, burnt-off wings, dyed black hair, and dark circles under her eyes. Here, her eyes were the sunrise, 
her skin the sky, her hair the clouds, and her wings the night, stretching across horizons. With a quick flourish of her hands, which were now whole, she closed all the portals connecting this realm to the material plane, as if they'd never been there. The familiar tug she felt of her deals pulling her back to the material plane, back to slavery, was gone. Avarice H. was finally free. Note from the workshop of Parakimite Kit Manu. Do you ever feel like you don't belong somewhere? You wake up in the morning, go about your day, try and fit in. You know, fit in with the crowd. But you never really feel at home. It gets to you after a while, you know. Makes you think you're the problem. That's how it was back home. You know, before I came to Nikamoy, it's why I left. And, you know, that's how it was in Nikamoy too. It's a big place, very loud, lots of people. It is not built for me, you know? And not just because everyone there is, like, five times my size. You know, as much as it pains me to admit it, I traded one hell for another. Just one with a sea breeze. And yeah, I, I had friends there, I'm not denying that. Quite a few of them, in fact. You know, spending time with the uh, fire-breathing kittens especially has really helped me build my self-confidence. With their help, I know who I am. And I know what I want. And I want to be myself. And in order to be myself, I need to leave. And yes, having... Having supportive friends around is important, but the fact is they don't have to deal with everything I do. They don't have to live my life. And I really do think my life is better spent in an environment better suited to my needs. Where that is, I don't know, but I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think I could take care of myself. And. At the very least, I owe that to my friends. And as long as I remember that, they'll always be with me. Maybe I'll come back. Someday. But... I need to find my people. You know? Place I can call home. Maybe... Maybe somewhere in the mountains. Yeah. I think I'd like that. I could fly free. Touch the sky. Barbara Anjali Jolly reflects back on her time with the Fire-Breathing Kittens Guild. There were six adventures, and after each one, Barbara jotted a little note in her journal. She looks at those notes. The Greed of Mr. Greenleaf It's a good thing Barbara joined Fire-Breathing Kittens, or her cousin Naya would have disappeared forever. Barbara just came to practice her potions, but, like, that totally worked out. The Voice of Magic Hmm, she muses. If you let your fear keep you tethered to the earth, you would never fly. Hmm. Happy bean juice. Barbara got to learn a new recipe and antidote and used that knowledge to save people. She felt incredibly happy to be so useful and able to help. 
Hello, citizens. Being a vigilante means you're outside the law and you get to stop crime. Wait, maybe teaching that to a naive teenager is a bad idea. Proceeds to immediately break and enter. <laughs> the root of war. Possums wielding knives. This was when Barbara realized maybe she is a bit of a perfectionist. Overall, the fire-breathing kitten saved Mama Possum and solved some water problems. It was totally possum. The eyes have it. Her last adventure. Barbara got to learn some cool new potions and see some totally fabulous magic goggles of mapping. Jack and his sister Frida have never really gotten along, but now that she's not dead anymore, maybe if they get some takeout sauce one day, they'll see eye to eye. So, reflecting on these adventures, having learned some new potion recipes, such as that the antidote to dragon poison is its heart, and that a potion to make eyes pop out takes pizza sauce, Barbara is a much better potion maker than she was before joining fire-breathing kittens. Now she has practical experience. She knows that in the field... Potions are pretty non-discriminatory and will take out large groups of people. Accuracy and aim ended up being much more important than she had realized. Retiring from the guild, opening her own potion shop in Nikimui, Barbara is going to research ways to deliver potions to only one target at a time. A commercial enterprise on the horizon, a research goal to strive for, Barbara has gained so much from her time with FBK. Expect her to happily pop into the guild hall to see her friends from time to time in between episodes. You'll know it's her from the clip-clops and screams. The city of Nicomoy, home to the famed fire-breathing kittens, their guild hall bustling with life. Guild members, both old and new, were enjoying themselves at the bar, looking for jobs at the job board, and sharing stories of old adventures or planning new ones. One of those old faces was Norwich Fleshripper, currently hanging up a job flyer on the board. As the chieftain of Giant's Landing, it was rare to see the famed fire giant in the guild hall anymore, a fact which a fresh face of the fire-breathing kittens was very aware of. Scuttling closer, Norwich was quickly bombarded with this kitten newbie's questions. Good afternoon, Mr. Fleshripper. You are Norwich Fleshripper, right? Uh, I just joined this guild and I have very many questions for you. If I could invite you to a Nikomui float and uh, hold your stomach with questions for a little while, would that be all right? Norridge looks over um, and as he speaks, his voice crackles with what sounds like um, the embers of a nice warm campfire. And he says, of course you can. Uh, more than happy to, to spare a couple of moments. Nice to meet you. And he, sh a, he extends a, a large hand. Uh, the new fire-breathing kitten does, like, the same. They shake hands and then get two nice Nikumi floats <laughs> and sit down at one of the tables in the guild hall uh, before the young Aratna starts questioning the fire giant about his life in and after the guild of the fire-breathing kittens. Okay, so uh, my first question... Uh, what happened after you took on the role of Chieftain of Giants Landing? How did they accept your teachings? Um, well, you know, after, uh, after that fateful day where I got the Chieftain, it was a lot of bureaucracy. I mean, as is to be expected with a, a leadership position, but it was a lot of making sure that uh, my people were okay and, you know, 
kind of kind of putting in uh a new a new twist on uh on the giant's landing lifestyle i guess you could say uh as you may or may not be well aware uh before i got there the giants were very individualistic very focused on uh strength and not a whole lot else and so one of the things that i wanted to do especially after working with the uh the guild here for as long as i have is you know getting everybody well-rounded so i guess the first thing that i did was i i brought everybody down for a little field trip if you will to uh to the eight pass monastery and i had everybody i had everybody uh take uh take a little bit you know learn some magic you know we're fire giants we we work with the forge we may as well work with the fire too cut out the middleman if you will uh, but outside of that, you know, a lot of just kind of managing people, making sure that everybody was, was okay, was good. Um, you know, it was, it was interesting kind of changing, changing society so major. Uh, so there were, there are certainly a lot of people who are not the happiest with it, but, uh, all in all, you know, outside of quelling a few rebellions and casting out some people, uh, it's been very busy, but it's been, it's been mostly good. Wow, well, that's that sounds like quite the achievement. Um, uh, you you said you were uh, a monk of the monastery of the Eight Paths, right? Um, so, what what of your training, um, your your monastic training with the Eight Paths? Oh, of course. So, uh, you know, after after taking over and uh, and bringing everybody down, we we helped. Uh, you know, we we continue to help around help out uh make sure that uh everybody's everybody's good there when we can but uh you know you can't really get get out of helping out with the eight paths so every so often uh Malacus will will give me a call and tell me uh we need to you know come down and help him out or uh you know bring down some uh some armor or some weapons things like that so you know we we help him out um but generally I I spent some time kind of learning the other some of the other elements. You know, fire and earth are great and that's kind of my strong suits just for uh, who I am, my my upbringing and all that. But, you know, I wanted to lead by example and people were saying, "Well, why do we need to learn magic Norwich? We're we're strong enough as it is." Um and so, you know, I wanted to make sure my people knew that uh that I was well-rounded and willing to willing to change and willing to give new things a shot so i i picked up a couple more elements i started learning uh water and air you know not really my cup of tea but i can i can do a couple of little things here uh and but recently i haven't had much time to to practice it's just been it's been a lot of back and forth uh well it's uh it's great to see you back at the at the guild hall again. Um, with you, you seem to have like a lot of of stuff happening uh, outside of the guild now. So um, as as a as a new member myself, I just wanted to ask you, uh, what did your tenure at the FPK guild look like, and uh, did your did your duties force you to leave? Or yeah, uh, you know. Uh, about a few months ago now, I had to I had to revoke my active status here at the guild. 
as as much as I enjoy being around and helping out and you know we we giants we come down when we can of course but exactly as you said you know being the chieftain it's hard work and I'm not uh, I'm not around as much as I'd like to be uh so unfortunately you know the the adventures that I go on now are few and far between but even even after for a little bit after becoming chieftain I was trying to manage I was trying to manage uh my my duties my duties at home versus my duties here at the guild and you know that we we still get out on a few adventures every now and again uh me and you know me and the old crew so <laughs> it's uh it's a good time but you know that that is something that I that I am sad about uh I I loved my time here at uh here at the guild I'm sure that uh, that you will as well. You're going to meet a lot of great people. You're going to do a lot of great things. I'm I know it, and it, enjoy it while you can because you know people get older, people get busy, and that's I mean that's life. But uh, well, since you talked about um, the old crew, uh, what what would you say was your greatest uh, triumph? You know, uh, I really have to say. Winning chieftain, that I mean, that's probably up there. I definitely there there have been some some other times. You know, there was a a couple of months after after I started uh, leading my people, there was a pretty major revolution. Uh, I had to call in some uh, some help from the guild, uh, from the monastery too. It was uh, it was nice kind of seeing everybody you know coming coming to my aid, uh, but really being able to to take that and you know uh and and be able to quiet that that uh, rebellion i mean for now uh you know my my advisors were telling me to just kill every last every last one of them but i said no i'm i'm going to i'm going to practice what i preach so i just let them go into the wilderness um i told them when you're ready to accept me as your leader you're welcome you're welcome back but until then Sorry, no place for you. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm rambling here. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, that that is that is my goal to have you ramble uh, when I ask you the question. So <laughs> I do not have a problem with that. <laughs> um, but uh, it it is nice to know that I, one of the one of the members of the guild that I look up to is not a hypocrite. <laughs> um, of course not. So. Uh, you are pretty big, being a being a giant at all. But what would you say was the biggest thing you worked on during your life? You know, when when I first came to the guild, I was I was beaten uh, physically and mentally. You know, I didn't think that I was going to be able to make anything of myself. I didn't think that I was ever going to see my family again. So, you know, I I had some baggage too with the uh, the shadow cabal. Uh, so, you know, really, really just trying to get myself on the right track. And I think, I think that's, that's what I did here. It was just really nice to be able to be in a place with, uh, with people who who will accept you for, for whoever you are and being able to, you know, know that people have your back. You got people's back. It's a, it's a nice thing, but I think to, to answer your question here, you know, I I think the one thing that that I learned the most in in my time here was just the the power of teamwork. Uh, you know, I 
you can be the strongest person, you can be the the biggest, meanest, baddest person in your in your little village or in your little town or you know your family, uh, whatever little unit. But it's a it's a very big world. There are a lot of people who are very strong, and making sure that you know everybody has weaknesses, everybody has strengths. So coming together to shore up weaknesses and augment your strengths and just being being more of a uh what's the expression the sum of its parts are greater than the whole something like that um well now that you're not um an active member of the guild anymore uh what what would you say do you treasure the most about the guild uh looking back and what will you miss the most uh now that you're sort of inactive or not here that often anymore you know i think i think the biggest thing i'm gonna miss is just that camaraderie that friendship um it's it's been you know really great being with my people and i love doing what i'm doing but at the end of the day I, you know i i really do miss my friends here um i know they come to see me but you know it's it's different having friends you know come visit you for a weekend or you know come come fighting in a tournament and then leaving versus uh you know being around here every day and and just going on adventures and and doing all that so i think that's probably the biggest thing that i gotta say is just you know missing missing the friendship missing the diversity and and hearing you know different opinions i mean we we do a pretty good job up there at giants landing but at the end of the day we're all giants you know we all want the same things. We all are kind of fighting for the same, the same piece of the pie, I guess you could say. So you know, it's it's nice to have that difference there. Really opens your mind. Uh, she writes some things down, uh, in her little notebook, <laughs> and uh, then she looks at Norwich again with newfound respect, or like a different kind of respect now um and she goes uh well i'm i'm I, i ran out of questions but um thank you very much for answering um i i think i i really am ex more more excited about guild life now <laughs> hearing how much you miss it and i will i will try to enjoy every moment <laughs> hey that's all you can ask for you know Uh, it's, it's never going to be easy. Uh, it's, there are going to be moments that, uh, that you get put in, in a lot of danger, uh, you know, some, some tough situations, but with, uh, you know, with you and the rest of the guild behind you and all of, uh, you know, all of our allies and we, we got people all over the place. So you'll never be alone. Uh, And Norridge reaches into his um, his pocket, and he pulls out a small coin, and it has the emblem uh, on the front or the head side. It has a a side profile of Norridge's mother's face, and on the back it has a uh, kind of a a rough bust of a of a mountain, and he says, "Hey." This is uh this is something from my home. I uh I want you to have it. Oh, uh, thank you. I I will surely treasure it. 
<laughs> and uh, if if you ever find yourself in in Giants Landing, uh, let me know. We'll uh, we'll make sure to save you a seat at the feast table. Well, if I if I ever find a uh, a job flyer for Giants Landing, I'm I'm sure I will uh, be a lot more inclined to take it now. Well, every so often I'll come down. You know, I always I always have things. Uh, you know, we have we have tournaments all the time. Uh, you know, I mean, we have our fair share of monsters to be slayed and uh, rebellions to be quieted. And so I always appreciate the help of the fire-breathing kittens. So I'm sure that I'm sure that there will be some missions uh, from time to time here. Well, thank you for answering my questions. And um, I don't think I can hold back my excitement to go on an adventure anymore now, especially not after talking to you. So... Uh, I will now head off and uh, be an adventurer. And if I don't know where to go, I will flip your coin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's exactly what you need. That's exactly the adventurer spirit. You enjoy it now, you hear? There is a light snowfall and a crisp in the air as moose occasionally traverse the snow-frosted landscape as I, Errol Corvidbow, bring a box of licorice root to the new village of wolves to meet my friend, the new chieftain, Rain Yilvaby. Hey, Rain, it's been a while. Oh, yes, I'm so glad you could come. I hope you didn't encounter any, uh, yetis on the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know what to look for now. Yeti sign. <laughs> I avoid any yeti tracks and uh, broken limbs and trees are usually a good sign. <laughs> I mean, we've been uh, we've been sort of battling it out with the Yetis a little bit territory-wise, so it should be safer in the vicinity of the village. But <laughs> we still like to offer escorts <laughs> up to the village itself, just for safety. <laughs> but yes, let me uh, let me show you inside. Uh, and all of the buildings are kind of like these. Um, they're actually buildings this time. They used to like live in tents, but now they're these like woodlock cabins, sort of. So it kind of has like a Alpy feeling, <laughs> like you're in the Alps. You just got back from skiing. <laughs> um, lots of furs, which is what they've always used anyway. It's just a bit like colder now where they are now compared to where they were before. Um, and she brings you to this like. Uh, I'd almost say in like modern terms, it's kind of like a like a ski lodge. That's kind of like the feeling with this like woodlock cabin. It's like kind of a little bit bigger than like the actual like houses of the of the villagers, with a lot of like hunting decorations in terms of like teeth and claws of things. Uh, so you're pretty sure that's just kind of like the stuff that they shed or they lose <laughs> in terms of decoration. So it, it's kind of like these canine teeth hanging around. Um, and she like brings you inside and suddenly you're like, it's it's warm again, finally. <laughs> there's some like, uh, there's some, some fire in like the fireplace. And it has this like homey feeling where like the, the light like, wavers a little bit from because it's like from a fire and it's not from a lamp and uh she'd like offer you to like put up your coat and everything uh 
And yeah, I imagine Queensland. Errol is like is like so layered that he's got like this giant puffy <laughs> coat on. He's like, Can you help me out of this, please? <laughs> of course. And she'll like take help you with like three of your jackets and <laughs> like hang them up. <laughs> And then bring and the I, I imagine there's a huge hearth in this room. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> With like a nice soft rug. <laughs> there's probably like a lot of rugs because the floor is cold, I assume, and <laughs> they want to counteract it. But she would like show you to sort of like a, either like in front of the fireplace or in like a bit away from it, depending on like heat where there's like just like a table uh carved from wood like you can see it was like carved by the villagers because it's not like it like it it wobbles a little bit it's a little bit too natural but (laughs) it works (laughs) and there's like five chairs around it which also kind of wobble but it's all right (laughs) um so I have to ask, Rain, last time I saw you, I remember you got a package from Cameron, and I was really curious what what you received. Um, at that sentence, like, her sort of, like, long wolf ears kind of, like, they perk up a little bit, and then, like, droop down a little bit again, and her, like, cheeks kind of flush a bit, um, and she goes, Oh, well, um... Usually we don't we don't get that sort of thing in the mail, but uh, I suppose Cameron was never one for um, uh, tradition. <laughs> so, you know, um, back when we were still living in in the woods and didn't really have access to like things outside, uh, it was like this grand gesture to like leave the village and go find the sea. <laughs> Or like a coast somewhere and bring back a seashell and then present it to a mate as sort of a proposal. And it was like a grand gesture of, um, well, and she like, she stutters a bit and she like, <laughs> she like blushes a bit more. She's like, of well, of love. So uh, I suppose I'm uh, somewhat engaged now. Well, not somewhat. I'm, I'm engaged no, because I got a seashell from Cameron in the mail, which is not the tradition, but it counts. Anyway, I asked him about it, and he got red, so, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, I would love to be there for the ceremony. Well, um, can, well, you know, um, Cameron doesn't really have a lot of people left. In the current age. <laughs> so, you know, if you feel like being a best man, I could, uh, as my good friend who's been through many adventures with me, and as we've saved each other a bunch of times already, <laughs> I would be uh, delighted to ask him if perhaps he would consider to make you our best man. <laughs> I would also think I would make a good event organizer if you needed somebody to keep everybody in line. Oh, that most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you see how do you see your future with Cameron uh, playing out? Like, uh, what are your plans together? Well, um, 
the time that I've spent at Fire Breathing Kittens. Uh, he's been traveling around a lot, and as I've done before joining the guild, and um, he was of the opinion that he'd seen most things that were of interest. <laughs> so he will probably now be focusing entirely on his research, which, you know, unless you're taking the plans with you, you kind of have to stay in one place. So he was thinking of settling down in the village with a greenhouse where he can magically sort of control the humidity and the temperature and everything. And since the village is rather well hidden, uh, his plants would be pretty safe, which is important. <laughs> so uh, we'll probably stay here together. And I always ask him for advice and everything. So, um, well, you know, my mother also has my father. So, well, while we usually have only one chieftain, there's always been uh, a right hand, so that was that was the plan. And like her, her ears kind of like droop a little bit again, and she's like, she's like very obviously flustered, <laughs> like in a way that, like when she's talking about Cameron, it's like very clear that it still makes her kind of like nervous or excited. <laughs> uh, it sounds like y'all will have a cozy place here in in the village do you think the tribe will take to him well uh well considering he helped a lot in um with rebuilding already uh they've practically adopted him <laughs> it's maybe more him who's unsure if he would like to be body slammed by uh, a 120 pound <laughs> Shut loop every day. <laughs> I imagine the attention will take a little getting used to. Well, most likely, but uh, I've already defeated three people in battle to get him more private space. So at some point, I'll have I'll have gotten them all. <laughs> you know. They probably just see it as, like, good-natured ribbing, but they don't quite understand that he needs more kind of, like, personal space than most people. Most likely. <laughs> um, so, last time we saw Sigrid, uh, she willingly removed her horns in shame as you defeated her, and the tribe, like, congratulated you. Um, what's your next step in leading the tribe? Like, what what plans do you have for them in the future? Well, from what happened, I suppose we learned that we were just a bit too vulnerable and um, secluding away and hiding away didn't help, even though some chieftains before me thought that would be the answer forever. But um, now with what happened with the Ember Fang scattering us, um, I think we will have to sort of fortify our defenses a little more and instead of hiding away we'll have to we'll have to connect and and find allies and new technologies and stand our ground <laughs> um teach our own how to 
properly wield their claws for themselves and for their tribe. And, um, yeah. So I will have a lot of connecting to do, I suppose. <laughs> uh, perhaps in the future you can find an alliance with the Yetis to protect the village. Yes, of course, yes. And, and um, I am waiting for Sigrid to return. We do need capable fighters to accomplish training our own and protecting the village properly so <laughs> she will be a great help in that and i have a feeling finlow might probably return with her so in in your mind you do think she will reform in the end and, and help your village well she'll definitely come back to challenge me again what happens after that we'll see <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she'll get tired of it eventually and, and just say, you know what, better off if I just follow. <laughs> um, so what are what do you think are the biggest threats and challenges to your tribe in the future? Well, of course, there will always be poaching and Shetlub thorns will always be luxury goods. <laughs> but um, I think there's just too many threats out there to worry about all of them at once, so... We'll just try to do our best to keep things in perspective <laughs> and to be prepared for an attack if there is one. But I think with enough versatility and enough resources in the end, there should really be not nothing that really can take us down again, I hope. <laughs> And if there's a problem, well, I know which guild to hire to take care of it. <laughs> uh, so how's your hysteresid doing? Yes. Um, did you know yetis have an enormous amount of blood? <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. I know that they can draw a lot of blood. <laughs> so that's been rather helpful. Um Cameron is having great success with his research. Um, and when we hunt for food, we usually don't need all of the blood for everything. So um, little, old, little old chickpea um, gets to snack here and now, every now and again, and is generally um, a lot more sociable <laughs> and less murderous i suppose now that he's fed most of the time i'm i'm sure that the tale of the blood drinking histrocid in the on, on the mountain uh probably only adds to your security measures that's true <laughs> i mean chickpea himself is also a security measure you could say <laughs> <laughs> So, have you seen Pink Pickle the Mink Bird recently? Um, well, I was planning to sort of, like, take him in once I had a place in the city, but it never really worked out, and they usually just stayed outside. So, um, you know, like, he was around, because I kept feeding him. <laughs> He's very food-motivated. <laughs> um, but lately, I think he might have found a home. I've seen him perched on someone's shoulder 
sometimes in the city. I, I'm sure that won't be the last we've seen of Pickle. So, out of curiosity, I sent your dad a box of crystals, you know, a few weeks back, and I was curious, did he receive them? Oh, yes. Um, he immediately put them to good use, you know, he's he's great with the whole universal energy through light refraction kind of thing. Uh, they, I mean, they are very pretty, <laughs> and he does sometimes crush up little pieces and uses them for remedies and stuff. So they are definitely in use. And uh, when we walk around later, I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll thank you tenfold. <laughs> I felt so bad after they lost a lot of their belongings to that flood. Yeah. Well, you know, you have your ups and downs. <laughs> but the, those crystals definitely made the up a little easier, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great catching up. I hope you don't mind if I stay here a few days. Oh, absolutely not. Um, I can show you around the village and, like, uh, get everyone acquainted with you. Uh, I'm sure someone will uh, guide you down the mountain again out of camaraderie. <laughs> <laughs> then especially... We can go pet. Um, we can go pet chickpea, and I can show you. Uh, I can show you the greenhouse, and we can go say hi to Cameron too. And some of our kids have started throwing themselves on pieces of bark while sliding down the mountain. So, you know, that might be a, a pastime. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Well, uh. You you brought some some licorice root, right? Yep. I I know you like forageables and stuff, and I came across some licorice root, so I thought I'd bring it to you. Awesome. Well, then let's let's go to the greenhouse first and see if Cameron wants to add them to the collection. Sounds good to me. I guess I need to get to know him better if I'm going to be his best man. <laughs> Well, you're already my best man, so... <laughs> <laughs> Errol, it's a beautiful sunny day as you trudge your way through the swamp to Dangentown with Drake in tow. Doc is currently here with his new charge, Lena. Apparently, he's got a new security gig, and he's bringing Lena around as private security. And uh, for some reason... He's towing a goose to different tourist spots. And knowing that the kittens have some connections to Dankintown, he reached out and invited you, along with any of your other friends, to meet them here and spend a little time together. As you enter the town itself, you note just how busy and bustling it is. Earlier in the year, the kittens had visited the town and it was empty, quiet, its tourism was suffering, but now it seems to be back in action. The Fox Club has a line going out the door. The marketplace is full of people bartering and hawking their wares. There's even a little bit of traffic going in and out of the mayor's mansion. I guess they're showing off some artifacts or something. But as you arrive, 
expecting to have a pretty laid back day, you see Doc run up to you. He's panting. He's sweating. He looks really, really upset. And he says, Errol, thank goodness you're here. I, I, I lost her. I lost Lena. I, I, I need your help finding her. Um, Errol s- starts to get a bit flustered and concerned, but then he thinks back to how Flex handled certain situations in the past, and he kind of, uh, kind of like s- straightens his hat a little bit and says, uh, uh, don't worry, Doc, I got this. Uh, we'll, we'll find Lena, no problem. Your confidence is immediately, uh, if not like completely alleviating his worry, it at least soothes him a little bit. And he's like, oh, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess you're a pretty, pretty great detective. I'm so glad I invited you out here. I'm really worried for her, but I think you can do it. Look, uh, just stay near where you last saw her just in case she comes back. And then I will do what I can to try and find her and track her down. Okay. Well, last we were together, we were at the market and she was going to try and buy a necklace to match her diamond studded shades. And then she just kind of, I took my eyes off of her for one second and she disappeared. And I'm really worried someone like kidnapped her or something. Do you know who she was trying to buy the necklace from? Uh, it was this one dwarven seller. Like he was selling a bunch of different kinds of stuff. Like he had a rocking horse and a tea set. I don't know. I, I don't really know why he would have a necklace that really matches her shades, but that's where she was. All right. Thanks, Doc. Um, and you know what? We'll we'll get back together and maybe have dinner after this. Oh, his eyes kind of like light up a little bit. That would that that would be that'd be pretty nice. I I think, yeah, cool. He's suddenly like very awkward and doesn't really know what to do with himself. I'm just gonna wait by the market. Okay, okay, cool. Um, I will walk off very confidently, as my friend Pearl taught me, and I will uh look around a little anxiously and like. I thought Ava was supposed to meet me here today. I, where is she? As if right on cue, you see, approaching you, flying off from the distance, a rather small figure, a little black and purple uh, dragon, who, upon, uh, upon her getting close to you, around like, around like 20 feet, you immediately recognize as Penny. Uh, she flies toward you and then uh, lands on the ground in front of you, just looking up. And uh, and she says, "Well, you hear in her in your mind as she talks to you telepathically." Uh, oh, hello there, Errol. Hi, hi, Penny. I'm not used to seeing you without Ava. What uh, is everything okay? Uh, she kind of um, she 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 flaps her wings and rises up in the air and then lands on your lands on your shoulder. Um. Kind of like putting your uh, her, her her neck around yours almost, and says, uh, "Ava, she's she's not she's not here anymore. She's gone somewhere. Uh, I I don't know where, but she's 
you, you know that she can when when she dies she goes to hell and then just comes back but she she's she's not coming back she she tied the bond she cut the bond with with me not bonded with her anymore and um Penny kind of like looks off in the distance where you see like a uh, a house on the <laughs> kind of on the outskirts of of the town, uh, which you recognize as Ava's house that she built there. Well, her realm isn't there anymore, so well you don't have to worry about finding missing people anymore. No one else goes missing now. You know, I wish I could say I was happy to be relieved of that responsibility, but uh, Ava and I had a good working relationship uh but that's okay you i need your help actually we we're looking for a goose me and drake uh were helping a friend and they were supposed to be guarding a goose and the goose is lost now and oh. so i know you're like really good at aerial surveillance so i'm sure i'm sure you would be great at helping us for this current situation you sense a little bit of uh like Happiness, a little bit of excitement when you said that, when you say, like, she's great at aerial scouting. And uh, Penny says, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, Ava had me do that a lot. So, um, yeah, I can I can scout. I can look around. I even, I even can talk to some spirits. Well, the last known location of this goose was in the marketplace, uh, buying a necklace from a dwarven salesperson, supposedly. So... Perhaps you could look there, and uh, me and Drake will take the ground and see if we see anything, and then uh, just let me know if you see anything. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Here, uh, take this. She, um, you see, she was holding in one of her talons a glass prism, a stained glass prism, and she kind of puts it in in your. If uh, if you stretch your hand out, like, do you do that? She kind of she. Yeah, if she's, off. if she's trying to give me something, I would open my hand. Here, take this, and while you while you have it, I can I can send you what I see. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, so then she just she uh, takes off again, and uh, flies off in the direction of the marketplace, looking around, seeing if she can find a golden goose. Okay. So since we're playing the uh, Spectres and Spurs uh, system for this epilogue, um, which move would you like to use? So I would like to use Scout, which is um, when you case a joint, read the room, scope out defenses or search for tracks, state your goal, and roll 2d6 plus dusk. And I'm also going to use Sixth Sense for that. I have an uncanny ability to see unseen auras and spirits. When my third eye helps me investigate or scout, add a couple questions list and ask one of them for free, even on a miss. Ooh. Okay. Go ahead and roll. Nice. So I rolled a seven plus two. I rolled a nine. So I get to ask three questions because I have mastery. So one question regular one because of mastery and one because of my sixth sense. Awesome. Mm, okay, so I'm going to ask a question. Where did they go? As in, where did the uh, goose go? And mm, what here can I use to find a golden goose? And my third question, 
What can the local spirits tell me about this? Hmm. Okay. So Penny, as you're flying around, um, you kind of pass by the marketplace first. It's inside a single story uh, indoor building. So it's a little hard to get any, it's a little hard to get any good information from that. But as you pass by, you do see a, an interesting set of tracks that look more like something is being dragged rather than someone is walking. Um, and those tracks lead over to the Fox Club. I think for what can you use to find the Golden Goose, um, knowing, I think, a little bit more, like, information about the town, like, during your scouting, you overhear conversations about people, um, specifically talking about what they can, basically, like, what really interesting things they can get here as, like, souvenirs and tourist items. Um, so that informs you that people like tourists are interested in getting really interested items and people in Dangan are then eager to be able to find and sell something that would be interesting to tourists. So that's a bit of a potential motive. Okay. And then what was the last question? What can local spirits tell me about this? (laughs) Hmm. I think you would get a supernatural sense of, oh, actually here, instead of like sensing something, you actually don't sense a whole lot. So that tells you that there isn't anything otherworldly or supernatural that's really involved in this. Um, This is probably something that's more of the regular like material or earthly plane. Okay, sure. so when I saw that um, that thing that looked like something was dragged, uh, Errol, you would have immediately seen that too. Like your vision from what you were seeing initially suddenly changes and you see that. You see the aerial view of the tracks being dragged. And then a few moments later, uh, Penny returns to you. Um, so with that information, uh, I think Errol because he's more of a kind of charismatic people person would probably use investigate to try and ask questions about like, have you seen any interesting uh, fowl, waterfowl recently walking through this area or? Uh, Where, who are you asking that? And like, what area are you doing? Like Um, in the market? Well, I would probably follow the tracks that Penny saw it and kind of like build off of what information we've already gathered so I would probably follow towards the Fox Club and kind of like ask around in that direction. Okay, so there's a line outside the door to the Fox Club. It's a, uh, with the name Fox Club, you'd expect it to be more of like a late night sort of place, but it's the middle of the day and it actually appears to be just a very cool br- brunch place, it turns out. Um... And so there is a line going out the door and a host who is at the front, you know, managing traffic. And then inside, you can see a lot of patrons at the bar and also at different tables inside. So would you like to ask outside or try and find your way inside? Hmm. 
or unknown option three based on your creativity. Okay, so I would like to try and use Skulk. Uh, in this situation, the way I would play it is I would try to have Drake run ahead of me into the tent and I would chase after him as like, oh, that runaway duck, help, he's from the market, I gotta get him before I get, you know, my boss gets me in trouble and I'm gonna try and like <laughs> sneak into the tent as if I'm just chasing my pet duck or the duck that I'm selling at the market. Wait, is, is okay. it a tavern? Like the Fox Club? Yeah, it's a tavern. So it's like a, it's another building. Yeah, it's a building. Okay, go ahead and roll for Skulk. Hold on, I want to make sure I don't have anything for this. Aside from a plus two, I don't. So I'm just going to roll Skulk. Uh, an eight. Okay. So it's not quite a hit. So Drake is actually able to zoom through. No problem. Um, You make it all the way to the host before they uh, put a hand on you. And it's, um, it is a... A dark brown and yellow striped snake folk. And uh, they put their long arms out and say, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's slow down a little bit here. We can get some of the staff to help you, but it's much too full. Sheriff Ava might come and, um, you know, invoke the fire marshal code for having too many people inside. You just hear in your mind, uh, Earl, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you can try and respond or you could also have Drake look around if you want to. I think that'd be perfectly acceptable. Um, so hmm, doubling down is probably not a good idea because I just lied to them. Okay. I have an idea. Uh, I have helped out the sheriff many times, and I'm, I don't think you know who I am, uh, but I am in, <laughs> on some very important business for Dangantown. Uh, I would suggest you please leave me alone while I get chased after this duck. And I would like to intimidate. Can I assist? Absolutely. Okay, can I, uh, I would like yes. to assist by, um, by like Penny landing on, uh, on his shoulder and... People would know Penny because, like, she obviously uh, helps out Ava a lot. So her, it's kind of like an endorsement, her landing on his shoulder again. <laughs> Absolutely. Both of you go ahead and roll for those moves. Ooh, nice. I got a 12. On okay. Ooh, very nice. I rolled real bad, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use a grit to re-roll. Okay, so before you decide to do that, the assist that from Penny grants you a plus two to your roll. Yeah, and you also get you difference. also gain a weak edge because I have mastery. I think I should still re-roll because I rolled like a one and a two. So Oh no! Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, that helped. I got a one and a four. Still not great, but five plus three is eight, plus two is ten. Oh, perfect. Um, do you happen to have mastery and in intimidate as well? I do not. Okay, no worries. Okay, so you get to choose two of the four options and in intimidate. What would you like 
you definitely succeed like seeing the authority of the sheriff around you and your confidence the snake folk just kind of eyes go wide you know um so choose to um back down but stay wary of you and concede but on one condition okay so with eyes wide the snake folk i kind of gives a little bow of their head mostly to penny but kind of to you too and says oh well if this is on sheriff business i suppose it can't be helped uh feel free to go in and chase your duck but i'll just be watching from here if that's all right with you i am not gonna do anything untoward you can you can bet on that perfect so you found your way in drake has just kind of already been like making the rounds of some (laughs) tables and as you kind of approach him he looks at you and just kind of gives like a wag of his head and a waggle of his tail signifying that he hasn't found anything yet but Uh, that's covered like you know probably like a quarter of the room already he's made some good progress don't get a big head Usually I make it fine. <laughs> um, so those tracks we saw earlier, do we see any drag mark? Like, would I, if I look around real close, would I see any drag marks or notice any kind of struggle? So I'd say that's probably a scout or investigate move. Yeah, I'm also gonna assist with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna assist partially by saying, uh, you hear in your mind. Well, uh, the thing is, in this city, people like to get souvenirs, and people like to find souvenirs to give people. So I have a feeling that they, someone might have thought that Lena's a souvenir, or that maybe her feathers could be. So maybe someone took her and was doing that. Um, that's kind of like an... I, I give him the hunch that I was thinking, and I'll also assist. Solid. Rolled an eight plus three, which is an 11. Cool. So another plus two to you, Errol. And you gain uh, a weak edge. Since I did investigate before, I guess I'll use scout this time. Didn't you use intimidate before? I think I used investigate. Oh, hold on. I don't think so. Penny used scout earlier. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So I'll use investigate then. Ooh, that was good. That's a 12. Hold on. A 14, which is crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, go ahead and choose three on there. Um, What is being concealed here? Where can I find Lena? And who might know more about this? Okay. So as you guys make your way through the crowded Fox Club, um. You're trying not to make, you know, too much noise, not draw too much attention to yourselves. And you make it all the way to the back of the building where there is an employee entrance. And you see some dirt on the, like, where the door is, as though something has been kind of, like, dragged in. And then there's a little bit of dirt that leads to another employee entrance that's right next to the bar. Uh, There is a bartender at the bar 
Um, and you can tell that they're probably, they've probably been there for a while. Might be the end of their shift, maybe. They've made so many mimosas. Um, so that could be someone who might know more about this. Um, but you think based on the tracks, someone may be associated with the club or maybe just someone passing through, um, has brought Lena in through that first employee entrance and then brought them out the other employee entrance for one reason or another. So are there tracks leading out of the second employee entrance? It's like there was some dirt uh, smears headed in that direction, but then it stops, you know, kind of like someone was tracking a little bit of dust from coming inside. So I will consult with Penny and I will say, so it seems like they might have brought Lena in here, but there are two, two doors here. And I'm thinking that one of us should go in one door and one should go in the other. Like, what do you think? Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Uh, I'm pretty good at getting places on notice, but I'm bad at opening doors. I, I can't. I'm too small. See? Uh, <laughs> she's about the size of a large parrot. She's really not That's that That's so cute. Really that big. Um, so, I mean, if you open the door for me, I could go in and try to, like, <laughs> I don't know, see if I can find her. But if there's marks going out, then they might not have taken her there. Maybe you can go in and ask them. Um, with that, I will first approach this bartender and just ask them um i am looking for someone who was looking to sell a goose did you happen to see anybody with a goose around here hmm i wish there was something like an insight check in this game (laughs) um they kind of give you a a hurried look um they don't respond right away and they're you know, they're definitely busy, but they're not that busy. But after a few moments, they say, uh, a goose? No, I mean, that's the sort of thing everybody would notice. There's, I haven't seen anything around here. I can think of an equivalent of an insight check. Uh, maybe casting, like, uh, channeling something and trying to read, trying to read his mind. Because she does have, oh, like, that's a good idea. Abilities. That's right. Get a little weird in this weird Wild West RPG. Yeah, exactly. It's like in Channel the Weirdness of the West, describe the spell I'm casting and roll 2d6 plus weird. Uh, so the spell I'm casting is uh, read this person's mind and see if they have any memories of a golden goose. For sure. 4 plus 3, 7 plus what's my weird? My weird is plus 2. So that is a 9. Hmm. I hold one. Okay. And is this for channel or cast? I forgot. Uh, oh. Oh, this would be for channel. Oh, it's for channel. Okay. Yeah. So on a nine. Okay, so hold one. I choose an effect, a tag, and a hitch. But then I have mastery in this. Always gain plus one hold without an extra hitch. Which I don't really know what that means. Yeah, that's the thing with um pbta games like the vocab is still a little new to me uh Mm. so we're going to instead of go through the rule book because we're playing this for fun uh we're gonna house rule it um on a nine i'll say that you can read surface level thoughts but you don't get like 
clear like answers or thought processes. Um, so while he is answering Errol's question, you do actually get the flash of an image of a golden goose specifically with diamond studded shades. <laughs> okay. So I, I get the, I get the image. Do I see like where the goose is or like if it's being dragged or something? Uh, you see that it's being held by another person. It looks like a gnomish woman. Okay. Um, so yeah, Errol, you, you get that image too. You get the image of a, of a gnomish. As that person's talking, you see the image of a gnomish person holding a goose with diamond studded uh, shades in your mind. Okay. So, uh, here's a secondary plan. Uh, Penny... I'm going to go in the farthest door, not the door that seems to like they they entered it, but the farthest door that was had markings on it. And then if you'll just wait outside, if someone comes out the other exit, just follow them and let me know if they leave. All right. And by someone, I mean this gnomish person or yes. just anyone? I'm thinking, okay. I'm thinking the gnomish person. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll wait outside the... I'll, I'll wait where he specifies me to and see if I see anyone leaving or if I see the gnomish woman again or the goose. Oh, sorry. Uh, not gnomish, halfling woman. My bad. Halfling woman. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Halfling woman. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Errol, you said the door that you were going out of was the one without the tracks, correct? Like, so there were tracks to one door and then a marking... And then there was another door with a marking, but no tracks coming out, correct? Yes, correct. So yeah, I would like to go to the one without the tracks. And that way, if I go in that one and someone comes out the other way, Penny can follow them wherever they go. Sounds good. Okay, so you go in through that employee entrance door. Um, The guy at the bar kind of like sees you going and starts to be like hey uh, uh it's not worth it and just like goes back to, <laughs> to making mimosas um and so you go in and this is actually a large storeroom this seems to be where they hold a lot of their alcohol and their food ingredients and off a ways it uh there's a kitchen that is actually set up behind the bar as well I'm sorry, can you restate that last bit? There was a kitchen. Oh, yeah. Let me describe that a little better. So you have entered a storeroom and then towards the, um, so the storeroom, let's say, is a square and the top left hand corner is a doorway into a kitchen. Um, there is a wall separating the bar and the kitchen, but basically it's like the bar takes up the front half and then the kitchen takes up the back half. So you're basically parallel. That kitchen is parallel to the bar and they're separated by a wall. It's a little bit of a weird setup. So so the main part that I'm in is a bar currently. Uh, no, the main part that you're in is a storeroom. So it's like. And then the kitchen and the bar are in one room separated from each other. Yes, correct. Uh, what seems to be in this storeroom? Like, just at a, I'm not like digging deep into boxes, but like, does it look like drinks or like food or? So it's got a little bit of everything. It's definitely got kegs of ale, bottles of wine, 
Um, there are barrels and boxes of vegetables and other ingredients. And then hanging from the wall are a couple like strips of um, dried meat, but you also have like a handful of like, you know, foul carcasses. Oh, no. Um, I will move through the storeroom and go into the kitchen and see what's going on in there. Um, I would like to skulk into the kitchen. Okay, cool. Go ahead and roll for that. Okay, so skulk, I do have mastery on this one. It only takes effect on a 10 plus, though. So, oh my gosh, I'm going to spend another grit. I got a three. So I'm going to spend another grit and re-roll that. My rolls. Dang. Okay, that's better. How much grit do you have left? (laughs) I have two left. Uh, That's (laughs) that's a 10. Yeah, eight plus two is 10. Much better than what I rolled before. Yeah, so you get to ask a standard scout question, too, since you have mastery. So you can see in the kitchen that there are, uh, you know, two chefs and, you know, a couple of other, um, you know, busboys and other people prepping stuff. Um, None of them are halflings from what you can see. Um, And they are all extremely busy and focused on their work so you're able to pass through no problem especially with the sneakiness all right so with the scout question i will say where did they go and instead of the halfling i will pick lena for this one where did lena go okay um so one of the uh prep chefs comes towards you into the storeroom so you hide behind a bunch of boxes and they um they go to the middle of the storeroom and they kind of like rub some dust off of one particular place and lift up and there is a hidden trap door there and as you go in you can uh or as they go in it's like a very short ladder to get down there you can see a little bit that it has like a couple other of like ingredients and things like that but you can hear the prep chef actually um as they're moving stuff around you can hear an echo as though this place is very big or as though like there's like a tunnel down there and after a few moments they come back up with the ingredients they needed shut the door and go back into the kitchen okay so at this point if i know where that's located if possible i would like to like sneak back to let Penny in and go down into that trap door. Uh, if you need me to make another stealth roll for that, I can. Uh, I'd say with the roll that you did do, we'll just kind of encompass it together. Uh, and Penny, you didn't see anybody coming in or out. So um, you regroup back with Errol and mm-hmm. Drake waddles in after you. And you guys descend down into the trap door and it turns out this place is actually pretty vast um Hmm. there is an underground tunnel that leads somewhere else um but you can see just a little ways off just out of view the glint of something shiny in the light it looks like it's a pair of diamond studded glasses hmm uh i'm gonna go toward those then i'm gonna fly toward them 
Uh, is there anyone nearby? No, there doesn't seem to be anyone nearby, but you do see that they like a little more clearly now as though they're not trying to be stealthy. There's clearly like foot, uh, footsteps and drag marks going down the tunnel and a couple of feathers that have fallen off. Okay. I'm going to grab the, uh, were they shades or spectacles? Uh, they were shades, I believe. Okay. I, I'm going to yeah, like, uh, shades. I, I'm going to grab the shades with my, with my talons and bring them to, uh, and bring them to Errol. <laughs> <laughs> they must've gone that way. It seems we're on the right track and I will just continue to follow towards where we've in that same direction. Okay. So, uh, you guys make your way through the tunnel um, it's not super far. Um, you definitely suspect that you're still in the town because you actually see like a couple other offshoots of, of tunnel, but none that have that same like dragging track. Um, so this might just be like a network of catacombs under the city or something. Um, but you, uh, follow the tracks to another exit. There's a ladder that goes up and there's another trap door. I'm sure you guys probably want to go up it, but do you want to skulk or do you want to just pop up? Uh, if uh, if we're skulking, I could I could assist by causing a distraction probably. Um, but you'd have to let me out, the, out of the trap door first, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love that Penny's just too small to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she is. (laughs) Hmm. Um, sure. Why not? I'll open the door for Penny and see if she can cause a distraction. And then I will try and sneak in afterward. And perhaps Drake can help as well. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I'll, uh, I'll fly upward. Uh, so where, where are we? What, What do I see? So as soon as you fly up through that trap door, you see a bunch of clerks. You have popped up into the uh, Dangan Town Bank. <laughs> um, this is behind all of the teller desks. And so, uh, and kind of like in the pathway to where different, uh, you know, vault and safety boxes, safety deposit boxes are. Um and so as you pop out, there are just a bunch of tellers in bank uniforms, like thrown into chaos. It's like, oh, my God, what is this dragon, this pseudo dragon doing here? What's this duck doing here? But also like, oh, my God, they're not here to rob us, are they? Like just pandemonium. So go well, ahead and roll your assist and your skulk. Okay. It cost a bit more pandemonium by going and just uh, taking a few, a, a few, um, what's it called, papers off the desk and throwing them. Have <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> you seen, ever seen a parrot throwing things? Like, yeah, yeah I feel like that. <laughs> um, it's funny. It's also I also have this feature called innocent visage. When things go around around, when things go wrong around you, people never suspect you first. <laughs> <laughs> So now Drake is the target of, of <laughs> suspicion. Like they're, tr- they like see, they see the effects of what Penny's doing, but Drake is also just in there like flying around. They're like, what is this duck doing here? Yeah. I, I rolled, uh, I rolled really, um, really, I rolled pretty bad on this. Well, actually I rolled a seven. 
Um, okay. Yeah, it, it rolled a seven. <laughs> okay. And I'd say totally. that you're also, ex- like, Penny's exposing herself to danger, you know, by doing this. So mm-hmm. uh, I'd be, well, I, I'd say, like, having having a plus two um, on that seven would be, or having a plus two towards Errol would be good. Yeah. Even though I'm exposing myself to danger from A, flying papers, B, clerks trying to catch me or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I rolled an 11, but I got a plus Ooh. two for dusk, which is 13. And then did, did I get a bonus for the assist? Yeah, yeah you got a plus, plus two. two. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. You are invisible. <laughs> Literally invisible. And then you can also use your mastery skill. So what scout question do you want to ask? How can we best end this quickly? Ah, uh, so uh, with all of this chaos going on, you peek your head above the trap door and you look around. Uh, while all of the tellers are distracted and, you know, other patrons have run out of the bank, you see... Um, further behind towards where the vault and the safety deposit boxes are, you see uh, a young halfling looks to be maybe, you know, 20 years old, young woman. Uh, and there are trait like there's like a feather or two in her hair. And she is just looking with like wide eyes at Penny and Drake. Do I recognize this halfling? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't recognize her. Uh, do I see? But I don't see a goose. I just see feathers in her hair. Yes. So you could potentially end this quickly. So you could end this quickly by, you know, putting out the authority. Uh, you know, I'm here on sheriff business uh, because now you have your you have a suspect. That's, yeah. So that's I there. will I, I will say. Your goose is cooked under the <laughs> authority of the sheriff of Dangantown, Avarice H. Stop what you're doing right now and fess up to what happened. Oh, man. Okay. That, so roll intimidate. And I'm actually going to give you a plus two because the assist is like that assist is still there. Like the chaos is there. You have literally like popped out of nowhere. You're like a ghost, you know, and has just scared the living crap out of her. And all of the tellers, like suddenly they kind of go quiet. Penny, I imagine you would settle down a little bit. Drake would certainly settle down. And yeah, uh, yeah the chaos is definitely settled. And this young halfling woman just stares at you, Errol. Uh, make an intimidation roll um so i rolled a 12 total i got a seven and i get a plus three and then you said i had a plus two on top of that mm-hmm. so yeah so i know that it says like pick plus two but you rolled so well she just spills the beans um she says i, I i'm so sorry i i'm so sorry i just i needed it to lay a couple of eggs i'm not hurting her i i just i just needed some money she's safe she's okay i'm sorry 
All right, give us our location or the dragon's going to get you. And I point to yeah. Penny. <laughs> and, and you see Penny's, uh, Penny's come over, again, sitting on your shoulder, Errol, and then also glaring at, um, <laughs> at, at her exposing some teeth. <laughs> Penny bites sometimes. She can bite. Oh, of course. Here, follow me. I'm so sorry. And as she like leads you into the vault, she just says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just, please, please don't report me to Sheriff Ava. She's kind of scary. Please. I'm I'm so sorry. And uh, she opens up the vault. And within this vault, there's like gold bars, silver bars, copper bars. There's like a bunch of currency. And right in the middle of it, there is, <laughs> there is Lena upon a pedestal. And there's like a single spotlight shining down on her. And off to the side of that pedestal, there's like this, I don't know, really high uh, value like crown or something. And it looks like Lena had like taken the place of that crown to go and sit in the spotlight. <laughs> um, and so the halfling woman says, see, she's it's OK. She's OK. I just I'm sorry. I have a feeling you might not be the ringleader behind this. Who put you up to this? Um, uh, I'm sorry. It it was the mayor. I'm sorry. It it was the who? I'm sorry. It was the mayor. Oh. Penny, do you remember who the mayor is? The mayor? Penny would know. Yeah, Penny would know what he looks like. Yeah, sh she would know. But I, the player, so don't. <laughs> Yeah, so the mayor's actually not really been introduced, like, formally. There is a party at his place, like, in the first two episodes of this season. But uh, you guys have never actually, like, really met the mayor. Well, Penny, you would have on, on visits with Ava. Um, yeah. Definitely a little bit of, like, a skeevy guy, but is generally more concerned with Dangentown being rich and therefore him being rich than the actual, you know, well-being of Dangan. Yeah. And I imagine that uh Ava would have uh <laughs> would have whipped him into line a few times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if if anyone were to notice that Ava hasn't been around lately, it would be the mayor. Uh yeah. okay, I will look at this halfling and I will say all right, here's what I need. I need you to come with us to the mayor's office, and I need you to spill the beans on everything that happened here. Uh, if you do so, we will let you off on minor charges. And I'm willing to make a parlay roll, maybe, for this. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I got an 11. Oh, okay. She immediately nods her head. Yeah, yeah, uh, min minimum charges. Uh, yes, I'll t I'll take that. I'll I'll go right to him. I'll be I'll be the best witness you've ever had. Uh, so with that, um, I will gather this goose. Um, yeah. Um, as you try to grab her, she kind of like bats a wing at you, and like lifts her head in a very snobbish manner and goes, honk. And then lets herself down off of the pedestal and kind of just like struts out of uh, the vault. And as she passes Penny and Drake, Drake, she just kind of again like 
lifts her head very regally and just goes, honk, 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 and then like keeps walking out. How's how's Drake handling this whole situation? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that. Would, I feel like you would know him better than me. How would Drake be handling this? Um, I think he's following behind her. He's like, oh wow, this is some authority here, and he's like impressed. <laughs> Drake, like, oh here, Drake, like takes the diamond studded shades that you had been holding onto and goes and like delivers them to lena and they kind of seem to have like a little like duck goose exchange and she puts them on and it's almost like she's radiant and instead of like tilting her head up to honk she like tilts it down to drake and like makes eye contact behind the shades but like makes eye contact and is like honk honk So I think uh, if she had a train, Drake would probably be holding it behind her. But in this instance, he's just he's just following behind her. Awesome. So you guys make it over to the mayor's mansion. There had been people going in and out and it's like they're uh, touring and like, you know, taking in the history and architecture and stuff like that. Um, and the mayor is actually there currently, um, you know, just kind of like talking people up. And as you approach, you can hear him say, and this is an authentic certificate that I got when I was a baby. You can have it for five gold pieces. Legitimately authentic. No other copies, I swear. You just get like a sense of uh, mixed disgust and annoyance from Penny when she sees him. <laughs> what, what type of certificate is this? He, like, it was just... I mean, that's a great question because it's definitely a bogus thing. But he's just like, this is a really official certificate that has to do with the history of Dangantown because I'm the mayor and I'm part of the history of Dangantown. Hmm. Uh, Penny is going to snatch the certificate and then just... Uh, <laughs> and then just uh, like, hold on to it with one... Uh, no, she, she's actually going to just start tearing it with her beak. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Just tear it up. Oh, my gosh. Or not, not As beak, she uh, does. sorry. Teeth. <laughs> yeah, not so you would know... <laughs> you would know that the mayor's name is... Um, his name is just, like... It's... Okay, we'll say it's Lawrence Siddlebottom. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Mayor Siddlebottom just like reels back in shock as, oh my word, I, Penny, I'm sure the sheriff would have taught you better than this. How dare you? Just hits and at he him. starts like, <laughs> <laughs> he like starts talking to like the patrons and also to Errol because it kind of looks like you're a patron now. He's just like, I'm so sorry. Our sheriff does not have good control of her pets. I'm continuously working on her with it, but my goodness, what beasts we have. That reminds me of an old tale about old Krogan, the legendary gator. Here, you can buy a figurine of him for 10 gold pieces. Uh, and then he notices uh, the halfling woman with you and says, Oh, Marita, what are you doing here? Well, it turns out that the sheriff was probably the most respectable thing about this town, as clearly the mayor is corrupt and is stealing things from other people. What? 
oh, I never. But then Marita starts going into like her, um, you know, her accounting of the tale where Mayor Swiddlebottom had told, you know, gotten wind of this golden goose visiting and told her to go and take it and keep it in the vault. And then once like any issues around the goose had died down, they would go back and get it and just like sell the golden eggs, basically. Um, and the entire time, Siddlebottom's like eyes widen, his face goes gray, he breaks out into a cold sweat. And all the people inside the mansion are just like looking at him, waiting for a statement. And he says, I, I, I never, this is libel, sl- slander, one of the two. Mm. <laughs> I would like to do something probably yes. dangerous, but uh, Penny would like to pants him. <laughs> Just steal his belt. <laughs> um, let's see. I don't think there's a pants move here. Skulk. <laughs> Or uh, it could be like duel or something. I'm not sure. I, let's do duel because we haven't done that one yet. Let's 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 duel it out. Oh no, Iron is my worst stat. Oh well. Oh no. Um, okay, I'm gonna spend a grip point to re-roll those. Oh my god, I rolled an eleven. Five plus six. Oh my yep. gosh. Plus six plus zero. Yep. Oh my god. Yeah. So there are like three options you can choose on a ten plus hit. So. Which one do you want to do? Mm. Oh, so on 10 plus, you come out on top, choose one, take something from them, such as their footing, weapon, or position. I'm going to take their belt from them. (laughs) (laughs) So, Benny, you just swoop in. Like, it's buckled, right? So instead of trying to unbuckle it, you legit just, like, bite through the leather. (laughs) And, like, the belt comes loose, the pants balloon free, and just like fall to the ground and he's wearing like you know he's wearing like boxers with hearts on them you know <laughs> yes <laughs> so i took his belt but he i also took his like, <laughs> he immediately just like covers himself he's like i i i shall retire to my room and just like runs out but on oh sorry go for it Oh, before he runs off, I have an ability called Bad Luck Charm. Uh, I can hex a target with bad luck. <laughs> just, just to make things worse for him. Oh, my it's God. It's a plus weird yes. roll. Okay. Oh, it's not great. Uh, I'm going to use a grip point. <laughs> okay, that's a little better. Seven to nine, I get to pick one. I got a seven. So okay. choose one. They break something precious or important. They find something you left for them. They lose something and you find it. They missed up giving an ally plus one forward. I'm going to say they break something precious or important. Um, On the way up the stairs, he breaks his toe, <laughs> trips and falls, <laughs> and like slides back down the stairs and just like stays there and goes into fetal position. <laughs> And so with the authority of the sheriff and, you know, some pretty good eyewitness account and evidence, um, Penny, you take the role of handcuffing the mayor and putting them into a jail cell. 
Um, Lena is now safe and back again. And um, she's just kind of been hanging out with Drake as the only other foul around. And after all of the commotion has died down, it seems like, uh, you know, a couple of the tourists are definitely taken aback and the rumors of what has happened has spread. And so Doc actually comes and finds you guys um, at the sheriff's building and approaches you, Errol and Penny and says, I, I knew you would do it. You're just, you're so cool. You're so cool, Errol. You're, what? You want to have dinner now? <laughs> um, Errol will um, look at Doc and kind of like drop his guard a little. Like in the past, he's definitely tried to be somebody that like wanted to impress other people. And he's going to say, uh, you know, current like recent experiences have taught me that like it's I'm better off just like being who I am and. Now that I'm not like searching for parents that have been missing or trying to solve mysteries, like I think I can focus on things I want. And you've always been someone who's supportive and like been very friendly with me and liked me for who I am. And I really want to go and have dinner with you. And I think that we could have like a, a pretty good relationship. Oh, oh I love that. So Doc is like beat red in the face and says, I honestly, I've admired you from when we first met and I was so hoping this would happen. I mean, I think we should take it slow just because like the only times we've really hung out for extended periods have been when my life is in danger. And I feel like that's just kind of a little bit of a rocky way to like, you know, get a relationship started. But let's go on a date. Let's make di- let's let's do this dinner date. Yeah, we probably shouldn't just focus on our trauma together, but <laughs> <laughs> I do make pretty mean uh sweet potato beignets which you've tried before. Oh, I love those. I would love to have them again. And so you guys are going to go out and have some dinner later on. Uh, It seems like Lena and Drake have hit it off. If, you know, who knows what direction it'll take, but definitely pretty friendly. I guess before we end it, um, you know, Doc is still um, Lena's security guard and they're going to be like, going around a little bit, but they'll be going back to Nicomoy and hanging out with you guys there. Um, and it becomes apparent to you, Errol, that Drake actually really likes hanging out with Lena and would like to go and travel more with her. Yeah, I would look at Drake and I would say, hey, you know, I was here to support you as long as you needed me. And I will always be there if you, you know, need me in another time. But uh do your duck thing, man. Quack, quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually goes up and like opens his wings and like gives you a hug. Yeah, I would embrace And Drake. Yeah. He will definitely always be back to visit. But um, once Lena heads back to her home, he's going to be going with her. Who knows how it'll turn out. But at the very least, they seem to have a pretty good friendship going 
Um, also, I would like to say that considering I don't know the status of our deal can, uh, since I haven't seen Ana and a- Ava in a while, mm-hmm. uh, I would like to rent the house where her realm was located and like hold it in retainer just in case because I don't know if she'll be back and perhaps Penny can crash there if she'd like sometimes. Aww. Or maybe it can just stand as like a semi-haunted house that people <laughs> tell tales about in the future. But uh, as a testament to her, I think I should hold on to it. Yeah. Um, also, like, uh, when you, uh, like, so after this adventure, do you, like, Penny's going to go to you. Um so do you ask about like the status of, of the deal and stuff? Yeah, sure. She would be the last person that would have had contact with Ava. So yeah, I'd be like, uh, so, and you know, I owed her for helping me out in a time of need and I kind of made a deal with her. So what, what's the status of that? Uh, well, I, I'm pretty sure that she just ended all of the deals when she, left uh she i'm no longer bonded to her and i i, I want to be bonded to something to someone i malum he's 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 dead and that prism that i gave you is the last little thing that i have of, of him but it's also like if you have it whoever has it can probably form a bond with me do you do you want a bond i don't know this was pretty fun i can i can be your scout and stuff oh you have been great help to me i would welcome it, but I don't want you to think that you're like in my servitude, but you know, as long as you need somebody, I will be there if you need a bond. Uh I mean, let's let's go to the house. Let's see what's going on. Maybe maybe the realm's still open and somehow and we can see her. Alright, then I will investigate that with Penny. Okay. So Penny's player would definitely know more about that than I would. So what do you see when you get to the house? So before, when you visited uh, Errol, it was a house that uh, had a few meager furnishings in the entryway, but then there was a door that once you opened it, you were in the realm (laughs) and you couldn't go back. Once you open that door, it's just an empty room. There is nothing there. It's just a room that's now filled with dust and some cobwebs. Uh, I... I don't know when's the last time you've been to the fire breathing guild hall or like the or seen the closet. <laughs> when when would have been the last time before you saw Ava or more recently? That's a good question. I would think I would have checked on her. I would have checked on the status of it pretty frequently, and I imagine the last time it would probably be within like the last month. I would think once a month is probably a good time amount of time to check in, right? Like, uh. So I would say that like the last time I tried to check the the portal was closed and I was like like okay what what happened but then yeah, I did it was just a normal closet now <laughs> but then I didn't have like her sending stone number so I was like I don't know what happened I don't know how to get a hold of anybody <laughs> Yeah so so that's just normal closet and this is now just an empty room I would say to Penny like well, what if we just stay here for a while? I mean, it wouldn't hurt anything, right? Yeah, I mean, people really thought you were a good sheriff or on the authority of a sheriff. Um, we can wait to see if she comes back and maybe eventually tell people the truth. Or 
he can be an interim sheriff or something. I don't know. It's it's a pretty good pay. She negotiated with the mayor, and he cut her quite a good deal. Well, I don't know who's a better sheriff and who's a better deputy between me and Doc. I think we can cover this. We both have experience in security and investigations, so... And you have me. I mean, like, I may be small, but I'm no small part of her success. <laughs> no, for sure. You definitely helped intimidate these people, so... Awesome. What a great way for Errol and Penny to end off this season of Fire Breathing Kittens. I hope that your characters have so much more fun in their ding in town and wider draws adventures. <laughs>